On today's show, we talk about some hard, hard stuff, so watch out for the little ears in the room. We talk about putting down a beloved dog and how we tell our kids. We talk about seasonal affective disorder. We also talk about how to talk to your teenage daughter when you find out dad is not a good guy. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Still putting my headphones in. James is in a hurry today. Not really. And before we even started, James said, no banter. So I'm going to try not to banter. And before we started, you said, let's go. And that's when I started. (laughs) I literally said, all right, let's get going, James. And then I promptly blamed it on you. (sighs) I think we need to call on the show together and talk to ourselves about how we treat one another. And by we, I mean how I treat you. I'm sorry, James. I forgive you. This happened. I've been on the road a lot, like running and gunning and... That sounded so stupid. Yeah, I'm just running gunning, bro, like I'm wearing a football jersey right now. What an idiot. So, but I've been going all over the place, and we got a major problem. Here's the problem. People listen to the show way more than I thought. And here's, that's problem number one. Lots of people know things about my kids. It's just hard to get lulled in. Like, you and I are just having a chit-chat. Me and you and Kelly, Sarah, Je- they're listening to this thing. They know things about my family, and that's super weird. Mainly because I tell them, so it's not like they're creeping. But then they are going and doing some of this. And I was psychologically unprepared for that. I know I get like that's the whole point of this show. I was going to say, how is this a problem? This is all It's not good a problem. Things. It's just, whoa. We can no longer say there's 18 of us. The gang has expanded. There's at least 40, maybe 45. It's sobering, for sure. You have something you need to tell us, James? <laughs> no? <laughs> Good folks, James is James is working on some personal issues. <laughs> Not really. He's just very handsome. All right, let's go to Dan in Chi-Town, Chicago. Hey, Dan, what's up, man? Hey, Dr. John, how are you doing today? Dude, we are partying all, all day and all morning. It's like super early in the morning, so we haven't been partying very long. And by partying... I had like a cup of regular coffee in my decaf. That's how we're kind of getting the wheels off here this morning. How are you, man? All right. Sounds good. Good. Um, listen, first of all, I just want to say thanks to you and your team for help making this past year a lot more manageable for me and probably a lot of other people who haven't gotten a chance to thank you. So, Dude, you're awesome, uh, brother. Thank you. Hey, is it cool for people who aren't in Chicago to call it Chi-Town? That feels like some insider yeah. lingo. No, that's fine. I got no problem with it personally. <laughs> All right, good. I, I knew one thing growing up in Texas, and that's you don't fight Chicago ends because they'll kill you. So that's awesome. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to I don't want to cross the streams, brother Dan. No, you're good, man. All right, so what's up, brother? How can I help? All right, so I got a question that I thought you might enjoy discussing today, and that's about seasonal affective disorder. Oh man, it's the worst. <laughs> Do you have it? Uh, so I'll tell you my story and kind of what I've been dealing with this week, and maybe you can kind of shed some light on it. All right. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of mid-September up here in Chicago. Um, over the past week, I really have not felt like myself. I've been more exhausted, um, you know, just unable to focus. I feel forgetful. It's kind of like, you know, how you're, sometimes they say you're driving from A to B and you don't know how you get there. Right. Right. And, um, so I've just been foggy. I haven't really been sick or had any other symptoms. That was a worry. I haven't changed my kind of daily routine. I haven't been any more active. I've actually had to, I had to stop going to softball this week because I've been so tired and I've had to nap several days after work, which just is not the usual for me. 
So I was talking with some friends at work and some of them felt similar. And one of them said her husband deals with a seasonal affective disorder. And um, the only way I know about it is my mom has dealt with it for years. So um, I'm wondering, maybe that's what I'm feeling. I know you got a wide audience and maybe some others uh, may not be familiar with this. Um, but I was just wondering if you could speak to this condition, who's at risk, what do we know about it? How can we kind of manage it the best that we can? Wow, dude. Well, thanks for the call, man. That's a great question. And I got, so I'll answer your question with, um, one of my own personal experiences. So I grew up, I mean, I moved to Nashville from West Texas, which is about 30 to 45 minutes from the other time, another time zone. Um, and then I moved to Nashville, which is about 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour to the Eastern time zone. What that meant was in where I'm coming from in West Texas, it stayed light till eight or nine o'clock every night. Mm-hmm. Then we got to Nashville and it was getting dark. And this is in the f- late fall, winter, it's getting dark at four 30 in the afternoon. I'd go outside and be pitch black. And it was about February that I didn't want to move. And I had never experienced this. And I started thinking it's my job, my marriage, my wife is mean, my kid. And then I realized this is the longest I've ever gone in my entire life since I was zero without sunshine, without steady amounts of sun and a rhythm and being outside. And then all of a sudden I was eating garbage and I wasn't sl- sleeping and, and, and I wasn't exercising stuff. So yeah, man, it was big time. And so I had to take some pretty um, direct measures to work through that. Um, it does surprise me that we're a few weeks into the fall. I mean, I don't even think we're technically in the fall yet. Do you have other stuff going on? Stress? Do you have other relational stuff going on? Something doesn't, no. something doesn't sound right. Maybe it is. Um, not that I can think of. Uh, you know, it's, it, it is starting to kind of get dark here before seven, seven o'clock at, you know, at nighttime. So, okay. um, nothing I can think of offhand, nothing I can put my finger on that I've been doing any different. Like I said, um, you know, so I, I can't, I can't figure anything else out that what that might be causing this, but okay. I'm telling you, I got outside. I got more sunlight this weekend and I, I snapped back like in an instant. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So here to answer some of the criteria, and it's been a minute since I've dug into this, but, um, seasonal affective disorder one, I just want, we love calling things disorders and we love giving people diagnostics and labels and saying, Oh, you're, you have a thing. Really, we, well, I look at seasonal def- affective disorder. It affects millions and millions of people, right? And if you want to meet the criteria, it's a couple of years of experience, major depressive disorder. Uh, and it's it's got to be focused on these particular um, times of year. Late fall, winter, when there is no sunshine, there's a compressed sunlight and people are stuck indoors, which then has derivative things like we talked about. You're not eating very well. You're just laying around. You're probably watching a lot of screens. You're not out connecting with other humans. You're not getting sunshine. You're not exercising and, and, and. So it does affect millions of people. I don't like this as a diagnostic. I like to take into account we have some natural rhythms that our bodies have been been working with, with nature for thousands and thousands or millions of years. And then about a hundred years ago, we developed work schedules and light bulbs. And so if you think about it, if we were all farmers, if we'd all been hunter gatherers, this is just part of the time that we just kind of shut down and things slow down for us. Now that shutdown and that slowdown 
we call depression and say that we're broken and say that we got to keep charging hard right in February, right? So I don't like to look at as much as my body's broken as much as just a good signal like you did. Dude, I need to get outside and get some stuff. There is some, ge- uh, get some sunlight, and get some movement. There is some geographical um, implications here. I didn't experience this in Texas ever. I've got several friends who li- grew up with me in Texas, Arizona. They moved up north and it just, that grayness, that low sky, that the, mm-hmm. the winter months just lays on people, right? And it's marked by hopelessness, frustration, you know, decreased physical activity and all that. You mentioned a couple of things that I think is just important to call out. One, you quit playing softball. And so there's the physical movement part, but there's also the buddies part and the just talking trash and hollering at your friends and laughing and getting angry and suddenly sprinting. All those things have major physiological consequences and just the, so what did you do this weekend that was different? Uh, well, I really enjoy being outdoors and kind of working around the yard and around my house. So, uh, just getting out and being outside. I mean, like, like, uh, this, the past week I, I had zero energy to even do anything after work. Like I said, I had to come home and nap and, you know, just couldn't do anything. And then I kind of was a little bit more intentional. Like you said, I, I, I'm like you in that I don't like to compromise in my sleep. That is kind of the first thing I, I always try to get back to. And, uh, I felt a lot better after catching up on sleep and getting outside and, and doing things that, that bring me a lot of joy. Good for you, man. All right. So there may be a lot of this in my head and this is the best I can read. I'm not a chemist and I'm not a vitamin D researcher, but I think a lot of this is related to vitamin D and what it does to hormones and neurotransmitters, melatonin, serotonin, melatonin, serotonin, all that stuff modulates immune function, all those things. Um, Here's what I really want to challenge folks like you and me to do. It's easy when we have a week or two or maybe even three where we want to nap. We just want to rest. And what I want to challenge us to do is listen to our bodies in those seasons and pay attention. Meaning, and probably the best thing for you this past week was just to lay low. Something about your body was telling you, hey, man, let's just dial it back a bit. Let's just rest. You need, to, you need to get some extra sleep, some extra you time, just chill. And I just said you time, like me and you were knitting a pillow right now. We need some you time. That's ridiculous. But like your body was just letting you know. And then your mind came back online a little bit after some rest and said, hey, man, this can't become a pattern. This isn't the way we're going to live. We took a nap, right? We, we took a break for a week, and now we've got to come back online. I got to get outside. I got to go move my body. I got to reach out and call people. So the last thing I want people doing is feeling low for a week or two or three and then announcing to themselves in the world, I've got a disorder. No, man. You need some sunlight. You need some human connection. You need to turn the screens off. You need to write something. You need to be okay when your body downshifts a little bit in the middle of the winter. And in Chicago, you guys don't screw around with winter. Last time I was there, it was like minus 1,000 degrees. It made me, I've heard all my life that hell is hot. And after spending a few days in Chicago in February, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think Latin for hot may be Chicago. Real cold. Really cold. Anyway, um, if you find yourself, if you can look back on your calendar and you just think, I am not doing okay. I am unseasonably low. 
I want you to go outside and move your body, even when it's gray, especially in the morning. It's a big, this, this morning, I got three and a half hours of sleep last night. I flew in, I flew in, um, got on a plane yesterday, flew right back in after being in another state, landed and drove straight to an event that lasted late into the night. And then I have two keynotes to give today. It was a late night. I got three hours of sleep last night. Sounds like you're running and gunning. <laughs> well played, Jimmy. Well played. Running and gunning. Because I'm Patrick Mahomes and I want to be in the football leagues, the National Football Leagues. Is that what they call them, NFLs? Um, act like I don't know what the NFL is. I know what the NFL is. But the first thing I did this morning is I did have to keep on working on my stuff, on my talks this morning. But I went outside and I got sunlight. Even when it's gray, got sunlight. Got to move your body. Even when it's cold, go outside, bundle up, if at all possible. Exercise is an antidepressant. Make sure you move your body. Make sure you're intentional about calling people. Even if it's to say, hey, I'm not doing so great. Can we come hang out? Even if we're going to go hang out and go for a walk in the gray. Do it, do it, do it. Lots of bright light right when you wake up. My wife makes fun of me in the winter because I it it looks like a, a stadium inside our house, uh, especially where I'm working. Turn all the lights on right when I wake up. And if it lasts for more than a couple of weeks, call somebody. Let somebody that you're not doing okay. Let somebody know that you're not doing okay. Um, it can be real heavy. And if you are leaning towards a depressive season, man, just spending some time in the gray by yourself in the cold can sometimes push us over the edge. If you ever have thoughts of hurting yourself, call somebody. If you ever have thoughts that I'm not okay, call somebody. Okay. Dan, thank you so much, man. We haven't talked about seasonal defective affective disorder. We haven't talked about the grays, as I call them, um, or the the bends. I guess the bends is a a great Radiohead album, and two has to do with diving. But I just call it the bends. I just feel bent over. But I just feel low, right? Bent low in the season. But Dan, thanks for the call, brother. And uh, get some sunshine. Or how about not live in Chicago? That could be another thing. All right, hey, we'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Let's go to... That was ridiculous. Hey, you think if this doesn't work out, I could be a, a metal singer, James? Yeah. Yeah, you could. <laughs> so, there's not a high bar there. <laughs> uh, Brian, the, he works security out in the lobby. He's just shaking his head like, I've really trained my whole life and this is where I have to work. I've done something tragically wrong. All right, let's go to Sarah in Cincinnati, Ohio. I don't know where that accent's from, but we're going to go with it. What's up, Sarah? Hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? So good. I say so good. It's it's great. I've got coffee. I work in the air conditioning, and we're doing okay. How about you? Good. I'm doing fine. Doing fine. So what's up? Uh, I'm calling because one of our dogs um, was recently diagnosed with cancer, and I'm wondering how to best handle it with my young kids. Oh, um, great question. How old are your kids? Well, in particular, my son. He's four and a half. He'll be five in February. So my daughter's two, so she's not real, not my biggest concern. It's more him that I'm concerned with. Wow. Tell me about this dog. Oh, he's the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we've had him. He's 10 and a half. Um, he's a pity boxer mix, and he's just super sweet and loving, and uh, he, he's honestly like the best dog we could have ever gotten. So. That's so great. And was it just ride or die through the through the birth of your kids too? Oh yeah. 
yeah, he he was he's been a protector and he cuddles them and loves them and kisses them and <sighs> loves them. So <laughs> So we deal with a lot of hard stuff on this show. This may be the closest I get to tearing up, okay? So I'm gonna work hard because I love dogs. I think they Yeah, I think they're pretty remarkable. Um so here's a uh, I'll just jump right into this. Can I tell you a story about myself? Yeah. Um, I had a beloved dog and in fact, (laughs) I used to tell my wife, this dog was in my bed long before you were. So let's just get priority straight. Right. (laughs) Uh, that dog, um, she was an old basset hound. She smelled so bad. Um, shared a pillow with me. I mean, it's obnoxious, but that dog was, I mean, it was incredible. And um, when I moved, that dog moved with me. That dog was ride or die. Disgusting, gross. All the things you would think a 21-year-old guy, just you walk into their apartment, you're like, what is this? It was that. Um, but I love that dog. And then we got another um, Batsit Hound named Baxter, and that dog was rad too. Molly passed away before. Molly died um, before we had kids. And Baxter was still around when I had Hank. Mm-hmm. And um, that's right when I was learning all about trauma and how it works and what is the best way to navigate some of this, especially with little kids. So I'll tell you about something that happened. Um, got news that um, Baxter was not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And we sit very similar. And so I called a buddy and we were going out to, to his ranch that day just to the kids to run around. And I was at the veterinarian's office and I'd taken the dog in and we're going to put the dog down. And something felt weird. And so I called him and said, hey, would it be weird if I, you know, we, I'm going to be, I'm with the vet now and put the dog down. And then I brought the dog out to the ranch. And we buried him there. And I said, is that weird? I know there's kids running around and he's a rancher. He's very, very, very wise. And he said something that stuck in my soul. He got quiet and said, if you don't take this opportunity to teach your son about death, you failed him. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, hey, that's a little bit harsh. That's just how ranchers <laughs> talk to each other, right? Um, and so I got out to the ranch. Um, we put the dog down. And I held the dog through the whole thing. And I think that's really important, by the way, is that you hold that dog through that season. Uh, My kid was not there for that moment. Okay. That was a lot. Um, But when I got out to the ranch, my buddy had set out one big shovel for me and one little shovel for my son. (laughs) And we both dug the, the grave together. And there's a physical component to grief. We prayed for that dog, and we talked about the fun and the joy that that dog had brought us, the tender moments, the hugs, the things that we were going to miss. And my son watched me tear up. And then I watched, I had to answer some hard questions like, Daddy, are we going to put the dirt on top? And as he was processing, oh, this is it. This, This is it. There's a finality to it. And my buddy in the distance, it's, it's my single most prized possession outside of humans, took a photo, and it's of a couple hundred yards away of me and my son digging that 
grave together. And I'll keep that as long as I live. It was an important moment for me as a dad and as somebody who teaches about grief and who walks through hard stuff with people. So what I would tell you is the last great gift this dog will give to you is to have a, create a touchstone moment for you and your son especially, but even your two and a half year old that will, will ride through the next five, 10, 15 years of y'all's life. Because here's what happened in our home just a few years later that my granddad passed away and I was able to point back to, Hey, remember when? And then my grandmother passed away. Hey, remember when? And so Baxter's legacy through our family has been significant Mm -hmm. and it was hard and it was absolutely right and good. And so what I would tell you is, um, as my friend Rachel Cruz says, share, don't scare. So be honest. You don't have to be, um, you know, overly detailed, and I don't think a four-year-old should be in there when they give your dog a shot or anything like that. Um, I do think if at all possible, if y'all can bury your dog together, I think that's really important. I think that's a neat moment, and it will be heavy, it will be hard, and there will be tears, and there will be hugs, and there will be lots of hard, hard questions. I probably wouldn't have my two-and-a-half-year-old out there just because there's some, there's some gaps yeah. there developmentally. But I would tell them that the dog's really, really sick and that the dog's going to die and it's not going to be here anymore. And then when she asks questions, it's a matter of fact stuff. It's bending down and looking your two-year-old in the eye and saying, remember, remember he died and he's not here anymore and we really miss him. And then she may say, I really miss him too. And it's good for her to see mom miss. So what's this dog's name? Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack. Yep. Tell me one awesome thing about Jack-Jack. Oh man, he's he's like your basset. He he's a mama's boy. He lays on my pillow. He <laughs> <laughs> he is. I guarantee just, you, Jack smells better than my than Molly did, for <laughs> sure. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Can I ask you? Would you tell him ahead of time that it's happening, or would you wait until? Um. Uh, I think have- I think that's up to you guys. I think that's, I I don't think there's a right way or wrong way to do that. Um, I would probably um, let him know that I have to take the dog to the, to the dog doctor, to the veterinarian's office because he's very, very sick. Okay. And then when we go there, we can let him know that he died there. He died there. Um, And then again, asking hard questions, we gave him a shot to make him feel better because he was hurting so much mm-hmm. and he goes to sleep and gently dies and be direct with your language, not evasive, not passed away. That doesn't mean anything to a four year old, mm-hmm. um, letting, making sure you say the words, Jack, Jack died. Right. And, um, it was, it was, um, it was Jack, Jack's time. Jack, Jack was sick, very, very sick. And his body got tired and, um, I would avoid, he didn't feel good. So we gave him a shot. I think a four-year-old might internalize the next time he gets a cough, like he's going to be hiding under his bed or something from mom, right? Um, (laughs) But let give him the gift of learning the hard realities of life and that Mm -hmm. people we love and things we love and pets we love pass away. They die. And that mom's going to be there and walk alongside us through this whole situation. So, Sarah, I know this is a show about people. But my heart's broken for you guys. I'm glad that you had to 
had that experience with Jack-Jack. Hey, can I tell you this one more thing? Yes. It's a strange thing about dogs. And I'm intentionally not talking about cats because I think cats are evil. I think they're the worst (laughs) animal ever created. And I know there's a few cat listeners of this show, so send me your mean tweets. I don't even even know how Twitter works, so tweet away. But dogs, man, cats maybe do. But they live that 8 to 12-year time period. And they tend to mark decades for us, right? It tends to be the during college and then the first job or when I met my significant other through the dating and then the first couple of hard years of trying to figure out how we're going to be married together or couldn't have kids and then tried and then had kids in the first couple of years. So they mark seasons. And often when our dog passes away, it's as though it's, it's a page turn in our home just because of that decade time. Does that make sense? So yeah. you're going to miss Jack-Jack and you're going to have this heavy realization that you're in a new season of life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Honor that yeah. for yourself because it's real and it's heavy. It's hard. Yeah. And are you married? Yes. Yes. And you got two little ones? Two little ones. Yeah. There's a very real reality that will set in that this is the new world. Mm-hmm. There's no going back. It's not just you and your husband and Jack-Jack going on hikes or staying up too late or Jack being like, hey, what's going on back there, right? All that's over. (laughs) Now you got two little kids. And so you're in that season now. And there's something about grieving. And there's the end of party time. And now I'm just mom with two kids and husband. And now we get to recreate some new adventure going forward. But it just, I don't know. There's something about that decade time period. It just tends to be snapshots. And I've just, man, been so fortunate to have some ride-or-die old dogs that have been with me in these just snapshot seasons. And um, I don't know. I just think dogs are amazing. So good for you, Sarah, for giving Jack-Jack the uh, mama who loved him. I'm glad he protected you from knucklehead husband and brought you through with two little ones. What a magical, magical journey. And uh, high five to you in the new season. Build something great. We'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, what up, gang? We're back. Let's go to Lynn in Philadelphia. We're born and raised in Playgrounds is where Hi, I Dr. spent John. most of my days. What's up? Hi, Dr. John. Thanks so much for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for calling. How are you this morning? I'm okay. Um, I have a question. I'm hoping I can get some guidance and advice from you. I will do the uh, best about... I can, and if I answer it terribly, we're just going to edit it out, and no one will even know this call happened, which is so good. So, <laughs> right on. O- only you and your um, friends will. <laughs> you be like, I called that guy. He's an idiot. So what's up? So my question is how to parent through my 15-year-old uh, daughter expressing a desire to reach out to her birth father, who is my ex-husband, who is not a safe person Uh-oh. and has not been in her life or mine since she's been born. Hmm, yikes. So when you say not a safe person, let's start there. That's mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah. So um, 
So obviously from my perspective as a married to him, there was repeated unfaithfulness, verbal emotional abuse. But beyond that, there was also a sustained pornography addiction throughout our marriage that I found out during the marriage. And then that escalated to um, pornography with kids or at least with preteen girls looking at porn. Yeah. Is he in jail? That I found when we were, he's not... (laughs) What happened when that came to light that he was into child pornography? So, I mean, remember, this is almost 20 years ago. I was in my early 20s. I found it on the computer, and I didn't understand at that point, like, oh, I need to call the police. I understand that now. I didn't. I instead got in touch with, um, you know, a counselor uh, or a therapist through church, and he did go a little bit, but it didn't really seem to help, and he wasn't invested in that. And so in my mind, um, naively, I kind of lumped all of that evilness together as just, oh, this is more of his pornography addiction. I know now, like I'm a licensed foster parent, I'm trauma-informed, I understand that that is a reportable offense. But like, since it's so long ago, and it was like on a home computer that no longer exists, like I haven't reported anything about him and I haven't been in touch with him in like 15 years. So before the day is over, Mm -hmm. you got to make a report. Okay. You have to do that. Okay. Um, The, yeah, you have to. For the kids caught up in that stuff, for, um, yeah, you got to. Okay. Yeah, you got to make that call today. Um, And you can let them know, I know this is 20 years ago. I know that 20 years ago I should have made this call, um, Mm -hmm. and I didn't, and here we are. And so I need to report this. And I would also be honest and say, I also know that I've got a 15-year-old daughter who's asking questions about her dad, and this looks bad. Yeah. And, oh, you're going to get me all riled up, man. Um, I know. No, I, the so even if I give you grace for twenty years ago, you're in the middle of a storm and you're in a mess, and this is all lumped into a, a big pot. The fact that y'all took this to a church building and they sat on it makes me insane. Right, and to be honest, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't part of those. Uh, counseling sessions. I don't know how much was shared other than, you know, I'm a, you know, he was addicted to porn. I don't know if he went into what type or anything like that. Again, like in my head at the time, it was all kind of a blur. Like we got divorced when I was pregnant with my now 15 year old daughter. So I was just a mess. Yeah. (laughs) Understand that he was seeing an 18 year old at the time that I found out when I was a few months pregnant. And then I found pornography, and it was just all a big blur yeah. um, for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I hear you, and, so, and yeah, I get it. Make that call now. I mm-hmm. I know in a number of states they've passed. There is no statute of limitations on that. Okay. And yep. in fact, in a couple of states where I've got connections, it's a crime to not okay report to not report it. Yep. Okay. Well, this we were in Tennessee at the time. Yeah, wherever it happens to be, um, uh, it's a crime to not report it. 
And okay. I think in Texas, they just said, if you know about it and don't report it, you will be fired from whatever job you or happen to be working for mm-hmm. and you're subject to criminal stuff. So it, it's, okay. yeah, make the call. Um, even okay. if they raid his computer and there's nothing on it and he's a changed right. person, the, the, the downside to that is he has an inconvenient day. Uh, or he's subject to an investigation that finds that nothing's going on. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. we're going to protect some children, right? Okay. Yep. Um, when it comes to your daughter, what's, what's her, does he even want to talk to her? Is he responding back to her? What's the deal here? Or she just has, she just has questions. She has questions, right? So I saw in her browsing history, she was looking him up, researching him, you know, um, throughout her life. If ever she's asked questions, I've answered, but I haven't given more information than needed. Um, but now that she's older, um, we, we talked about it pretty recently and I was, she wanted all the details. So I was pretty upfront with her, including, um, about the pornography and Mm -hmm. so forth. Um, and so after all that, a day or two later, out of the blue, she said, just so you know, at some point I want to reach out to him. Of course. And, and so I just, I, you know, I tried to keep like, don't freak out face on. And yeah. I just said, well, you know, well, got it. What are you hoping to, what are you hoping happens? Or what do you, what are you hoping to accomplish type of question? And he, she just said, I have questions. Yeah, absolutely. And so I said, okay, got it. And so. Here's the big um, question. Uh-huh. Here's the big question. What was it about me? that you walked away from. Right. What was it about yep. all those other girls? What was it about all the other women? What was it about the your addictions? What was it about your depression, your whatever, that was so much more important than me? I just mm-hmm. need to know that. And, yeah. And so on, you gave her that, that curiosity, that creativity, that desire to know herself, and you've been on trauma-informed journeys. You're learning. You... Do you love and care for foster kids? That that who am I question is foundational to all of us. So mm-hmm. her desire to just know some stuff uh, is real. And in her 15-year-old brain, her desire to tell him what she thinks is real too. That's in 45-year-old right. brains. I'm going to find him and I'm just going to tell him that it never does anything, but it feels like it's going to feel good. So mm-hmm. all those questions are good. Right now... The last contact you've had is with a felon. And as the mother of a 15-year-old, you must protect your daughter. Right. And so it's okay to say your questions are super legit. You ask me anything. Mm-hmm. But in the same way, you would not let her connect with a 35 or 45-year-old person on the sex offender registry list, she doesn't get contact in that, that level of boundary. I don't care that it happens to be her dad. Okay. And you can let her know in that uncertain terms, I have not spoken to this man in 20 years. And last I knew he was very unsafe. I wouldn't let a strange child around him. I'm not going to let you. Mm -hmm. Also, one thing that she can do is write letters to him that she doesn't mail because she doesn't have his address, but she can hang on Mm -hmm. to him. When okay. you make this call, have you have you not spoken to him for two decades or fifteen years? Um, it's been about thirteen years because I did end up getting sole custody a year or two into her life. Okay, and so that's when we last had contact through a lawyer. And child pornography didn't come up during the their custody hearing. 
Um, we didn't really have, it didn't, no, it didn't go through a, a hearing like that. He basically said he was not going to visit her. And so his rights went down to, he can only contact her through writing right now. He's not allowed to visit her or anything. And it wasn't, he just said he, he wasn't going to. And so he just signed so that it was over? all through a mediator. Yeah, it was all through a mediator. We didn't go before a judge at all. Okay. Or a hearing. Hmm. I haven't heard of mediated parental rights being terminated before, but maybe I don't, I don't his, know about that. His parental, yeah, his rights aren't terminated. So he's on paper, he's still her father, but he can't, he's not by law allowed to visit her. He's only allowed to um, communicate with her in writing. That's where it was left when, like 13 years ago. And so I want to, I know he is your ex-husband. I know he's her dad but I want you to listen to what you're saying. And I want to challenge you that your daughter needs you now. Because on paper, he still has the ability to communicate with her. And he's a sex offender. Right? Yep. I know that's so hard. I know this brings up every demon on earth in your soul. And I also know that you know these things. How long has that been haunting you that he's going to reach out? That has to have been a ghost that's been chasing you for 15 years. Um, it ha I've always been scared that she would want to reach out to him. Not so much that he would reach out to her. Um, think, of, think of her reaching out to him as less about him and more about her trying to find out who she is. This, yeah. is a, this is an exploration to find herself, and it's got to go right. through him. Right. And that's and, okay. And I get that. And, and she's kind of going through the stage where she's pushing against a lot of boundaries of now, course, right? She's and so this is yeah. Right, right, right. I get it, right? So this is another one. And so I want to be careful. Like, my fear is in setting a boundary of no, no communication, no nothing, that she's just going to try to find a way around it, right? She, one, she's easy enough to find online. 1,000% she will. Yeah. And what would you do? If your daughter was doing what she could to communicate with somebody that you knew was addicted to child pornography, what would you do? I'll tell you what you would do. Anything. You'd cut the Wi-Fi. You'd throw every computer in the dumpster. Okay. Yeah. You would go to, <laughs> you would go to hell and back to keep your daughter away from that guy. That guy just happens to be her dad. Right. And that's why this stuff has to be formalized. you got to make okay. a report. It's got to be yeah. written down. And you've still got access to – you still have his social security number and his stuff and all that. And there's going to be some shame on your part for not reporting it. Expect right. that. Yeah, 100%. And at some point, you're going to let yourself – you're going to have to forgive yourself and go forward – and not continue to be anchored to, I should have, I should have, I should have in the past. You mm -hmm. didn't, so here we are. Right. I would also recommend your daughter's going to look for any way. This quest to figure out who she is, is it's universal. We all go through it. She is going to look for ways that you are the bad guy here, which gives her permission to break your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. So. Yeah. There is a difference between saying this man was sick, this man was an addict, 
this man got into some evil stuff. And there's a difference between that and I hate this guy. This guy sucked. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the best you can, keep it about facts and data and not about your opinions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Does that make sense? And that way, yeah, it will. Ne- it, it it will. It's going to turn that anyway. You just don't like him, or you're just mad that he filled in the blank. That's expect that. But that mm-hmm. way, there's never that sliver of she's holding out on me. Right. This is yeah. just and you I've, laying I've out that. Yeah, and I, I've certainly tried to never ever say he's bad. He's just he's that. She would ask me when she was younger if he was bad, and I said, you know, he's just sad and he needs healing, and he's made bad choices, but I never, I try I think, to never villainize. I think it's very fair to say he's mm-hmm. very, very sick. And mm-hmm. there will come a moment when your daughter will look you in the eye and say, why didn't you call? Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to be honest with her. Say, I screwed that right. up. Yep. I should have, and I didn't. I messed up. And that will never, ever, ever happen again. I hate this for you, Lynn. I hate all of it. I hate it for those little girls involved in the pornography stuff. I hate it for your daughter who's had to grow up with a dad who just cashed out. Oh, man. If you know, and I'm telling this to everybody now, if you know of somebody who's involved in child pornography, call today. Period. Full stop. End of story. Conversation over. Call today. If you know somebody who's hurting kids, call today. If you know somebody who's neglecting their kids, call today. Those kids deserve better than that, and they need all of us. Call today. Man. And, Lynn, you're going to have to take a big breath, go do some hard stuff. You're going to have to set that shame down. Your daughter needs you daughter needs you let's protect our kids good folks let's protect our kids all right so as we wrap up today's show oh man it's been raining a lot in nashville like crazy and shout out seasonal affective disorder 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 that's i don't even know what a disorder is i know what a disorder is and so during one of the breaks james Producer extraordinaire ran in his second favorite song of all time. We all know that Bette Midler's The Rose is his favorite song, but this is number two. The song's by the one and only Rihanna, and it's Umbrella, and it goes like this. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, Rihanna. Uh-huh, uh-huh, good girl gone bad, rut row. Uh, uh-huh, 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 take three, action. Uh-huh, uh-huh, HOV. That's not the HOV lane, is it? Nope, Jay-Z. No clouds in my stones, let it rain. A hydroplane in the bank coming down with the Dow Jones. When the clouds come, we gone. We Rockefeller, we fly higher than weather. And G5s are better. You know me, you know me. In anticipation for precipitation, stack chips for the rainy day. J-Man, nope, J-Rain, man, is back with Little Miss Sunshine. Rihanna, where are you at? You have my heart and will never be worlds apart. And that's when you need me there. With you, I'll always share because you can stand under my Ella, 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 James, say it, umbrella, right here on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Hey, 